Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. You want to step into this new coat and you want to zip this up. You put on the new man who's created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And he says there that you should be renewed in your spirit. To the church in Rome, he says that we should not be conformed to this world, but that we should be renewed or transformed by the renewing of our minds. That we need to start thinking differently than we used to think that we can't get caught up in the same old thought life. Has your mind been renewed? Is your mind still struggle with the same filth that the old man used to struggle with? God wants to transform you today. He wants to take that out of you and he wants to clothe you with the new man. He wants to set you free and renew you from the inside out if you'll allow him. Here's the thing, you cannot be transformed through the renewing of your mind until you leave the old man behind. God is calling you out of the old into the new. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. He says, so that we do not lose heart, though our outward self, our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Anyone in here get the impression that your body is falling apart slowly but surely? Yeah? Anybody's knees or hips have problems? Like, I'm 38 years old, okay? And already I'm like, oh, how come it takes me still so long to get straight when I stand up? You know, it's like our bodies are perishing. But you know what? My spirit is being renewed. Every morning I wake up, praise God, you can clap for that, especially the older people. Clap, clap, clap for that, right? I'm, some of you young people are like, doesn't pertain to me. Give it 10 years, right? You're going to be clapping with the rest of us. Here's the thing. Every day I look in that mirror and I've lost a little bit more hair. It just happens. <laughs> right? It's inevitable. These bodies are perishing. But you know what? At the same moment when I look into that mirror and I see that that body's falling apart, I understand and I know that the inward man is growing stronger because that inward man is being fed by God's spirit. And he has the power to transform me and to renew me if I surrender to him by coming out of the old, coming out of the shadows, coming out of the dark, and coming into his glorious light. Amen? We're called into this newness. Are there any new creations graduates in here? Yeah? Praise the Lord. There's a couple right there. How many are in new creations right now? Give it up, guys. All right, praise the Lord. Listen. Praise God. Gals, here's the thing. Listen. God wants to do a new work in you. He wasn't content with allowing you to suffer in your sin any longer. He wasn't content with allowing you to cower in the corners, in the shadows, with regret and with fear and with shame. That's why the scripture says that if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things are dead and gone and buried and forgotten. That's my version. They've passed away. They're no longer there. The old has passed away. Behold, but everything has been made new. You're new. You've been restored. You're not the same old creature. 
Now, here's what I want you to understand this morning. A part of that, the reason why God does that, the reason why God gives you new life, the reason why he calls you out of the darkness and into the light is because he wants for you to carry on the hope of that message to as many people as you're able. God has called you, but he's also given you a commission. You have a commission this morning. Here's your memory verse for today. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Now, if you've been with us the last few weeks, the last four weeks, and this week would be the fifth week, we've been working on our hands, right? So let's recount these briefly together, and then we're going to look at this commission and kind of tear this apart. But the thumb, hold up your thumb. The thumb is God loves me. Number two is I'm a sinner, right? Remember, hold up, there it is right there. Hold up the L, to a bunch of losers. God loves me. I have sinned. Third finger, Jesus died for me. Fourth finger last week, I need to live for God. And then today, the fifth one is I need to go and share. Jesus said this, freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely you shall give. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world. The word preach is caruso. It means to proclaim. It means to herald. It means to shout for joy. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation, to everyone that will listen. Here's the thing. That young man who's standing there receiving his commission, he knows what lies ahead, the responsibility that lies ahead. And with Jesus' last words to his disciples, he gave them a commission. He gave them a command. And he said, this is my last request of you before I go to the Father. You're to go into all the world and you're to tell them what I've done. This commission bears with it a great responsibility. Every single one of us is responsible to fulfill this commission. Every single one of us is responsible to do our part in this commandment of Jesus, this last command of Jesus. The very first thing that you need to see there is that this responsibility can be broken down and we can see very clearly in the book of Acts chapter one, verse eight. It's gonna be on the screen. Read it with me as I read it to you. But you shall receive power. You shall receive what? Power. Power. Let's say that more powerfully. You shall receive what? Power. Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is what Jesus says. This is a different account of the same commission. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And if you're taking notes with me under responsibility, I want you to write this down as your first responsibility. It is to go in power. God's spirit, Jesus said, if you wait, God will send you his spirit so that as you go and you take this message, you will be able to take this message powerfully. I love the humility that the Apostle Paul has. He says this to the church in Corinth in chapter 2, verse 4 of the, his first letter. He says, In my speech, my message were not with plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. 
He says, I didn't convince you with a fancy sermon. I didn't use fancy words. It's not that I was some great orator and I was able to move you with my words to the point of a decision. That's not what happened when I came to you. He says, the reason why you've changed is because I came and God's spirit was on me. That's what made the difference. Listen to me. I could care less whether or not you leave today and you think, man, that was a great sermon. I want you to leave today and I want you to say, man, we serve a great God. I would rather be stricken mute than to use my lips to grieve God's heart in any way. Paul says, it wasn't my words, it was his power that made the difference. Now, why was that power so prevalent there? It's because the message that they were teaching was pure. The gospel was pure. This is why we want to share with you our church. This is what the gospel means because if you don't understand what the gospel is, how can you share it with anyone? How can you fulfill the great commandment, the great commission, if you don't understand it, if you haven't memorized it on your hand? The Bible is clear that when The gospel is presented in its purest form. Power follows that kind of a message. Listen to what the scripture says happens in Mark chapter 16. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And it goes on and he says, these signs will accompany those who preach. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up serpents with their hands. They'll drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. You say, Chris, what do you mean? Do you want me to become a snake charmer? No. I do not want you to ever, ever, ever touch a snake. All right? And I don't want you to send money to people who are touching snakes on TV. Okay? That's not the point here. The point that is being made is if you watch the life of the disciples. If you read what happens in the book of Acts, they're used so powerfully because they're preaching the good gospel. And everywhere they go, things are changing. The scripture says in Acts chapter 17 that when the disciples came, it turned cities upside down so much so they turned the world upside down with their message. We're preaching today, we're worshiping today because those original disciples were faithful to preach the gospel. Now, if that doesn't give you motivation to get outside these doors and start preaching the gospel, I don't know what will. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about their message. That's what God has given to you. The scripture says that the gospel is the power of God to salvation to all who believe. It's powerful. Listen to what happened in the book of Acts. It says this. It says, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And then it goes on, it says, more than ever, believers were being added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. That's what I want to see happen in our community. Mighty things happening and people coming to the Lord. It goes on and it says this, so these men and women were coming, multitudes, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick, those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Why? Why did God do this in the early church? 
Why does God not do that today in our church? And I'm not just talking about here on the corner of 6th and Orange. I mean the American church. Why don't we see this happening? God's miraculous miracles, God's power is present when the gospel is being preached. So if God's power is not present today, we have to ask ourselves, are we preaching the right gospel? Are we doing something wrong? Are we grieving God's heart in the way we address the gospel, in the way we approach the gospel, in our handling of the gospel? Are we grieving God's heart? Because I don't know about you, but the last time I checked, there's not people lining the streets who are sick that need healing. I don't know about you, but the last time I checked, if you look around, there's still some empty seats in the room. I struggle with this, and I ask myself this all of the time, Lord, I want to see people saved and set free. I don't want to see the miraculous. I don't want to see the signs and the wonders. I want the gospel to go forth in power. And the Bible tells me that when the gospel is going forth in power, people are being changed. Why do I want to see people being changed? Because I want to bring glory to God by preaching the gospel he entrusted to my care, the gospel that he commissioned me to go preach. I wonder where all the power's gone. So our responsibility is to go in power. Our responsibility, secondly, is to share or preach using our personal story. Write that down. You're to preach using your personal story. That text in Acts says that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. The word witness is someone who bears testimony, someone who gives an account to that which they've seen, heard, or experienced firsthand. In a court of law, the one who is a witness is the one who is giving their account of what they've seen happening to try to bring resolution and truth to a trial. And make no mistake, today, in today's culture, Jesus is on trial. And you have been called to the witness stand to bear witness and testimony to what Jesus has done in your life. And if you are not willing to bear testimony to his grace and his goodness, then who will? I was trying to figure out a way to kind of bring this down to home for you. And best I could do is this. I'm a couple years behind my wife in school. And so when I was a sophomore, she was a senior. But I was really good friends with her younger sister. And so I thought one day at lunch, I'm just going to go talk to her. That was a bad idea. She had no idea who I was. I, she didn't know me from anybody else. And it was kind of awkward. It was like, why are you here? And there was like an awkward silence. And finally, I just got up and I walked away, right? So you can imagine how difficult it was years later when she came back from college and I saw her at church and she walked into church for me to even approach and try to strike up a conversation, okay? And so you guys remember in maybe your, I don't know, like your dating life or your courting life where you get to this point to where you kind of feel like you know where it's going, but nothing's really been settled or said just yet. Like you don't have a firm agreement. I'm not talking about a contract, okay? But you just haven't talked about exclusivity or commitment just yet. And so that first time when you're meeting someone, like in this case, when Sarah was introducing me for the first time to someone I didn't know, you know, you're palms kind of get sweaty and your heart kind of races because you don't know who am I to this person just yet. 
Like, how does she see me just yet? And so is she going to introduce me as her friend? Is she going to introduce me as an acquaintance, as one of the pastors at the church? How am I going to be introduced by her? And so when she says, this is my boyfriend, Chris, you know, inside, there's like this huge exhale, and then there's a cabbage patch after that, right? (laughs) But on the outside, you're just playing it cool. You're just playing it cool. Now, here's the thing. This is what I want to kind of drive home. Listen, do we put the Lord in that awkward place with the way we live our lives? Jesus said, if you will acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. And I just wonder if our lives grieve God's heart because he's waiting for us to introduce him. He's waiting for us to use our personal story and to tell people what Jesus has done for us and how we've been set free from our sin, how we have hope, how we're no longer shackled by fear and by guilt and and by regret. And when the time comes to make the introduction, we're like, well, here's Jesus. He's kind of a cool guy to hang out with on a Sunday. Here's my homeboy, Jesus. You guys seen the Jesus and my homeboy thing, right? Or are you going to introduce Jesus? This is Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, my King, my everything. The one I live for, my reason for breathing. Your personal story has more power than you think it does. And God is waiting for you to use your story to be a witness of his goodness, to be a witness of the gospel. Are you following me? So the responsibility is to go in power, to preach with your personal testimony. The third thing there is to go to all people. Acts chapter one, verse eight, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It starts small, your hometown, and then it grows like your region, your county, then your state, then your country, then your world. It just keeps expanding. And in essence, what Jesus is saying here to the disciples and thus saying to you and I is that we have an open door policy to take the gospel anywhere. And our culture tries to tell us, you know what? Your faith is a private thing. It should be kept private. You can't take your faith with you to work. It needs to stay at home. You can't take your faith with you to school. It needs to stay at home. You can't talk about your faith around the dinner table with your extended family. That's too personal a thing. You don't bring it here. Jesus said you take the gospel with you that there is no door that is closed to you. Have any of you ever paid good money for a concert ticket and you're kind of like up in the front row? You're so close, kind of like where what I call it is the splash zone. Like there's not too many people in the front rows here and I probably understand why. It's because sometimes if the speaker or the band gets really animated or loud, you get spit on. (laughs) And so the splash zone for the concerts, the front row, like you're going to be tasting some of that dude's sweat and spit, right? So here's the thing. Listen, you pay good money for those seats. But then if you look back at the stage, off to the side there, you have some people there that have a pass. And that pass says all access. You know what that means? That means that there is no door that is closed to them at that concert. Now, if you try to go to the White House and you try to walk around the White House, if you try to sneak off, you try to like hang back at the back of the tour line, you try to like go do your own thing, if you don't have security clearance, you're going to be beaten. 
and then possibly waterboarded. You do not want to chance that because you don't have permission to be there. But Jesus has said to you this morning, you have access to go anywhere. There is no door that is closed with this message. You can take this message anywhere. Praise God. Now, sidebar, how ridiculous would it be for somebody to have an all-access pass and to sit in the back row? That's not where the action's at. You want to be as close to what's happening as possible. But in reality, so many of us are doing that with our faith. We are sitting and watching other people participate when we could be right there on stage. All access pass. There's a great responsibility with this commission. Second thing I want you to write down there in that second point is that you have to Take note of how you respond to this commission. And to take note of that, I want you to look at a few different case studies. The first one is the prophet Jonah. The prophet Jonah was called by God to go and to preach the gospel in a city called Nineveh. This place was like a three days journey to walk across and it was filled with vile, wicked people. They would slay people or kill their enemies. They would flay their skin and wrap their skin around their columns. They would sit heads, just decapitated heads throughout the city streets as a reminder of what happens if you cross the government. These were some wicked people. And God says to Jonah, I want you to go preach to these people. But the Bible sadly says that upon hearing this commission, hearing this call to go and to preach, that Jonah does the exact opposite of what God calls him to do. And he runs to Tarshish. And it says in the scripture that he fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. God is giving you a commission today and some of you are running away. For whatever the reason, you've chosen to ignore it and you've run in the opposite direction and today God is trying to shake you up and to remind you, I want to use you to reach these people. So one response to this commission is to run. A second response to this commission would be to feel so inadequate and so useless and so incapable of being able to share this message. This would be our case study of the prophet Jeremiah. Read what happens here. God says to the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, if that word from God came to any of us in here, we'd feel like, man, that's amazing, right? Poor Jeremiah was just a young man. He was a boy. And he hears this call, and this is what he says. He says, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. I don't know how to speak. I can't give a speech or give a sermon. I can't call people to repentance. I don't know what to, I'm so young. This is how the Lord responds. Do not say I'm only a youth, for to all whom I send you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand out and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. You know what God says to Jeremiah? He says, Jeremiah, it's not about your giftedness. It's not about your abilities. It's not about your skill set. It's not even about your age. It's not about your stature. It's not about your worth. It's about what I want to do through you, Jeremiah. All you need to do, Jeremiah, is just show up. 
and I'm gonna put my words in your mouth. Listen to me, young people, you're up there in the nosebleeds, right? So, so listen to me, young people. Jeremiah was a youngster. God used him mightily. Don't let your age ever keep you from fulfilling God's call. God wants to use you, every single one of you. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivorg website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivorg or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.